You've got questions. He always has an answer. It's Sean Hannity. This afternoon at 2, right before Joe Walsh at 5, on AM 560, The Answer. Hey, mark it down. Tuesday, January 29th, that's the day when President Trump will deliver his second State of the Union address, and we will be throwing a party, and you are invited. We're calling it a taste of freedom, and it's presented by HealthInsuranceMentors.com. We're holding it at the Belvedere Banquets in Elk Grove Village. The evening will feature dinner at 6.30, followed by the president's speech on the big screen at 8. And if you hurry, you can buy tickets to sit with Dan or Amy. We each have our own table this year, but those tickets are limited. So join us and a couple hundred other AM560 listeners for this great event. Tickets start at just $64, and they can be purchased at 560theanswer.com slash taste. That's 560theanswer.com slash taste, and it's sponsored in part by Storlock. We will see you Tuesday, January 29th. And we saw Trump, the President of the United States, yesterday on the White House lawn before he bounced down to New Orleans and bounced back to... To have some burgers with Clemson Clemson football players. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, he was uh, asked again about this bombshell New York Times story over the weekend. That he's a governor. A Russian spy? I mean, this is so ludicrous. That he's Raymond Shaw, <laughs> that uh, a counterintel investigation was opened into President Trump after he fired James Comey on the pretense there was concerns that he was a Russian agent. Trump asked about that again by the assembled press corps, and uh, you won't be surprised by his pointed reaction. I never worked for Russia, and you know that answer better than anybody. I never worked for Russia. Not only did I never work for Russia, I think it's a disgrace that you even asked that question because it's a whole big fat hoax. It's just a hoax. And it's a hoax perpetrated by some dirty cops that uh, he has exiled from FBI. The people that started that investigation are McCabe, who's a proven liar and was fired from the FBI, are Lisa Page, who was forced to leave the FBI, and her lover, Peter Strzok, who we got their text messages, and what they said in those text messages was shocking when you talk about bias, and also Comey. And I guess they started it because I fired Comey, which was a great thing I did for our country. So the people doing that investigation were people that have been caught that are known scoundrels. They're, in, I guess you could say, they're dirty cops. And I'll tell you what, it is so unfair what's happened to the FBI in terms of the men and women working in the rank and file of the FBI. I know many of them. These are great people. And they are so embarrassed by their leadership. You've never seen, I have never seen a turnaround in a bureau or agency like I have with the FBI. They are so embarrassed. The Senate Judiciary Committee is uh, meeting now. You may remember them from such famous confirmation hearings as the Brett Kavanaugh hearing. Yeah, are we going to get anything like that today? I doubt it. Uh, William Barr is uh, up for confirmation as President Trump's uh, next attorney general. And I wonder if there'll be some Republican inquiries of Mr. Barr about uh, this New York Times story and... um, uh, the decision-making at FBI over the last two to three years and what he's going to do about it at justice with respect to things like 
a criminal referral from the DOJ IG on Andy McCabe. We're going to have a new sheriff at Justice, one that takes up a lot of these unanswered questions we have about the conduct of the senior leadership of the FBI and senior administration officials of the previous administration. For more on this topic, we're pleased to be joined again by David Harstani, senior editor for TheFederalist.com. His book, First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun from the Revolution to Today. David, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, what about that? What would you, if you're a Republican senator, what would you want to uh, ask and hear from uh, William Barr this morning? Well, I mean, you know, the clip you played of Donald Trump, every word he said was completely true. Um, so I'd be I'd want to know what we were going to do about that, because nothing undermines the public's trust in democracy and so on more than um, when people take institutions that are supposed to be unbiased and use them for their partisan ends. I can't believe that there was an investigation opened. I mean, when you just step away for a minute and you say, oh, there was an investigation opened on the president of the United States uh, because someone in the FBI or some people in the FBI thought that he was some kind of Russian asset. It's just so and, – and, and there's so little evidence to open up that sort of investigation. You wouldn't even do it probably for a normal human being, much less the president. So I don't know. I think it should be a giant scandal, but the media is so concerned with uh, – sort of cobbling together everything that he's done that's pro-Russia to make it look like he's some sort of, you know, Manchurian candidate that, um, you know, that, that no one is focusing on that, at least not in the mainstream. Well, it proves to me that there's so much bias, though, on the FBI. I mean, this is, this is they took this, I think, to crazy town, thinking that he really he's an operative for, uh, and he's a Russian agent. Well, they took the, um, the dossier, and within... A very short time, and I forget what it is exactly, they opened this investigation, the, the initial investigation. There is no way they could have looked into that, into the charges of, of, at least it doesn't seem to me, I'm no expert on law enforcement, into these charges or the validity of them to, to open an investigation into the president and his staff. So it's, it's, it's really, it's really uh, it's surreal in a, in a way. Uh, Mark Penn, you know, former Clinton attache, writing uh, up at, at foxnews.com, basically says, um, I'll, I'll quote him, the Mueller Independent Counsel and Southern District of New York investigations remain as the insurance policy set up to keep up the effort to remove the president for something, you know, something to be named later at some point when we've got the best available story to tell. I mean, is that uh, your perspective? I think so. It seems so. I mean, I, I was sort of an agnostic on collusion and stuff like that. I wanted to see what, what uh, Mueller was going to bring back. But now I see, I mean, I see never Trumpers and Democrats saying that the president should be impeached because he wants to get out of NATO. You know, that's a policy decision. And now all of a sudden these policy decisions, they are, you know, impeachable offenses. I mean, if, if that were the case, we could have impeached Barack Obama for sending funds to Iran. That was undermining American interests, in my view. So, I mean, it's just... It's sort of a – it's just a corrosion of, of institutions to start u using serious – you know, the Constitution in this way. And, and, and it, just because you want to remove Donald Trump, you can't even have a policy disagreement anymore. Everything is about impeachment. Everything is about spying. So today the nominee for attorney general is going to head before the Judiciary Committee. Do you expect anything at all like what we saw with Brett Kavanaugh? 
I don't think it's going to be as charged or emotionally charged. I'm sure the Democrats are going to see some crazy stuff, and I'm sure Republicans are going to defend the guy. And um, but uh, what about you know, his high school I, calendar? Is that going to come up? Yeah. I mean, are yeah, we going to like Squiggy gonna... and we the bar tabs from DC eateries? Yeah. No, but I can imagine that the next Supreme Court battle is going to be just one of the most oh. epic things that this country has ever gone through. Um, but this, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It definitely won't be as emotionally charged. I don't think the public is invested in it in any way. Um, the idea that he can't uh, be the AG for Trump because he's pro-Trump in some ways is so ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> Eric Holder said that he was Obama's wingman and, and you know ignored mm. subpoenas and all kinds of stuff. So... Um, I don't know. I mean, I wish that AGs weren't as partisan, you know, but uh, they are. The uh, Democrat uh, feel for 2020 is starting to come together in earnest. You got uh, you got your Tulsi Gabbards, you got your Julian Castro's, you got your uh, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, well, of course, of course, Elizabeth Warren. You got Peter your Kristen Gillibrand. You got uh, your Kamala Harris. Um, you know, may, that may be good news for the president that the Democrats want to start the campaign season straight away, have maybe debates in the spring because, uh, you know, it presents sort of this whole other universe for the public to focus on. It's as if, you know, there's just constant campaigning. I just feel like the presidential campaign just ended and it's already starting up again. I, uh, I think a big field is helpful, obviously. It just depends. You know, I, I, I have no idea who who is going to come out of there but i think that it obviously helps the president in some ways i, I mean i think that a, a really uh, a bitter and competitive primary season actually makes candidates better sometimes i think that hillary probably could have used some better ah, bernie was pretty tough but she could have used a, a you know she could have used a, a little more real competition i think so we'll see how that shakes out but i think many many all these candidates sort of diverts the attention of the public and and might create animosity within the democratic party what do you think about uh, any internal strife in the republican party at least to the level that it would uh, prompt a primary challenge to president trump it seems like at least at present with uh, his position on border security funding that uh, you know he's in very good standing with the overwhelming majority of Republicans. So a, a Kasich, a Flake, doesn't seem like there's a lane for them. No, I mean if Republicans were to challenge Trump, I could only see it being a conservative challenge to Trump. So when you have people who conservatives generally hate <laughs> trying to run against him, it just doesn't seem like uh, it's going to be very productive for them. So I don't see it. But generally, you know president holds a lot of the power in the party or most of the power in the party and it's almost impossible to challenge him it's very rare and it's definitely not going to happen here in any sort of real way i don't think real quick back to the democratic uh primary and who's going to be it what about beto or biden do you think who has a better chance because they're they're polling pretty high right now oh yeah 15 percent woo wee out of 20 candidates yeah you know i mean i i I'm a little shy about this because I was so wrong about Donald Trump. I thought he was going to lose for sure. That I would say that Biden seems like a very strong candidate to me, actually, because he sort of has this – it's fake, but he has a sort of working-class way of speaking and might be able to appeal and have an appeal in states that Donald Trump won in the middle of America. But I just don't think that's the way the Democratic Party is going. So I think it would be sort of a bitter, really bitter primary if, if they tried to uh, sort of push – Biden down everyone's throats. I don't know. But, you know, 
I don't know anything about Beto. I don't understand how a person who lost the state and really has never done anything to distinguish himself should be president. But then again, we've had presidents like that before, not long ago. So maybe maybe he will be president. He just had the uh, most exciting uh, teeth cleaning ever filmed. I don't what know if you mean? saw that. I mean, God, we really have to go down that road. It's just yeah, we are. We have, everything is so unserious, is it? And uh, yeah, especially especially politics. And now we're going to have politicians acting like teenagers. It's just really annoying. But I guess that's the future. There's this uh, anonymous op-ed that was posted by a uh, senior administration official, senior Trump official, according to the Daily Caller. I mean, if it's good enough for the New York Times to do, I guess the Daily Caller can do it as well. And he uh, writes, or she writes, don't know, as one of the senior officials working without a paycheck, a few words of advice for the president's next move at Shutter government agencies lock the doors sell the furniture and cut them down federal employees are starting to feel the strain of the shutdown i'm one of them but for the sake of our nation i hope it lasts a very long time till the government has changed it can never return to its previous form and um i I gotta say uh, this is this op-ed is actually quite good about the fourth branch of government the unelected bureaucracy the nomenclatura if you will and it, it seems to me that this is something that Republicans should read and internalize beyond this uh, partial temporary shutdown. Yeah, I guess. But I don't, you know, I don't have high hopes for that happening. I think, um, you know, people, even Republicans, don't like government in, sort of in theory, but they'd like it in their own lives. And when you start... You know, and the bureaucrats themselves will start you make you know make you feel the pain. The TSA, whatever agency it is, that you know people are going to start to turn on that idea. I, 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 I agree. I mean, I wish this would be a perfect time to start cutting back uh, the bureaucracy, but and, and, and pulling back some of these technocrats who run our lives. But uh, I just, I, I'm very skeptical that that's going to happen. Well, and it's also to you since you invoke TSA, it's also a perfect time to revisit the mistake it was. Arguably, I would argue to federalize TSA. So if you had this at the local level, as it used to be, you wouldn't have uh, these stories about, uh, you know, overcrowding system failure, as it were, in in terminals in Atlanta and elsewhere. I am so anti-TSA, I can't even tell you. (laughs) It is (laughs) security theater, 99% of it. Um, I, 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 you know, there has to be a better way. Every time I look at the lines and I know where I'm being patted down, I say to myself, the terrorists have won. They won this because we're still dealing with threats of the past in ridiculous ways. Um, it would be great to reform TSA or privatize it, which I doubt there would be, I don't know how many Americans would go for that. But, I, you know, the bottom line is um, we don't have the political will to do those sorts of things because you definitely need both parties to get it done. So, uh, now is not the time, but I, uh, I'm on board. I am, a, I am super anti-TSA. I think it's a waste of our time, waste my time. If I, there was a line that let me get on a, a special plane without any TSA stuff, I'd do it. Really? Yeah, oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, well, I, I, did, I, I mean, they took my shampoo bottle, but yet a guy got a gun on, and it went all the way to Thailand. From Japan. Or got Japan. a gun on. They did a yeah. test. Yeah. I think it was 2015, where I think 95% of, of yeah. TSA did this test. <laughs> People with guns and all kinds of bombs got on, onto planes. Um, they do not do a good job. It's like a scene from Airplane. It literally yeah. is like a scene from Airplane. Uh, David Harsani, he is a senior editor for the Federalist.com. His book, First Freedom, 
A Ride Through America's Enduring History with the Gun from the Revolution to Today. David, thanks as always for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile.